Hi, and welcome to Safe Space. I am your host, the Artistic Psychologist. This month, on our platforms on Facebook and Instagram, we're talking about school and some of the ways school can affect our mental health. There are everyday incidences in school that can take a toll on our mental health, such as academic stress. For some people though, the stress and trauma they experience when in school comes about from incidences such as repeated sexual assault from their schoolmates and humiliation and dismissal from their teachers. In this episode, our guest, who wishes to remain anonymous, narrates how they experience sexual assault repeatedly while in high school and how this has affected their life. Please note that our guest gets explicit when narrating this story, and so it may be best not to play this episode out loud if you're in the presence of young children. The content of this episode may also be triggering to some. Please be mindful of your mental health and that of others as you listen to and share this content. Let's get into the episode. So um, I joined high school in like 2009, and at the school I went to, I was a legacy. Like I had um, relatives who'd been there before and they went on to be great people in society. So from day one, I was the popular kid. Mm-hmm. But I wasn't really into crowds because I was the keep to myself kind of person. And um, I used to bed wet. I didn't really get a handle on that until I was like 16, I think. Is it? Yeah. So... Throughout primary, all the way to high school. Yeah, throughout primary, all That's the way so to high school. And, and, and um, since I was in boarding school throughout primary, it was really tough for me. Mm. So um, going to high school would prove to be even tougher because my brothers weren't there. You know, in primary school, my brothers would cover for me sometimes. They'd come to my aid when bullies, you know, come knocking. And in high school, it was just me. So being a legacy felt like a pack because from day one, they told me, you know what, you won't go to the regular dorms. I was sent to this special house, we used to call it Stato, where the prefects used to stay. This and was something, sorry, just to interrupt, because yes. I don't understand all this. Is this something students had decided, or even the teachers were like? Yeah, the teachers were like, all prefects were like in one particular dorm ah. with inbuilt showers and mm. bathrooms. It was like the special place, you know, okay. with a TV and DVD. And you know, for high school, boarding school in Kenya, that's like a pretty big deal. So I felt pretty lucky. And um, hit it off with the head boy from day one. And, you know, they used to pair form ones with form fours. So, well, he was my pair. So from day one, I tried to be pretty honest with him. I told him, you know, from time to time, because it's not like an everyday thing. From time to time, I forget myself and I wet the bed at night. So he told me, it's okay. I'll take the lower bunk. He takes the top one. And it was, it was cool. Until the first time I wet my bed, which was like four days after admission. And then everything kind of like changed. Um, so that night I came back to the hostel and I remember he, he asked me to get naked. Yeah. Um, he asked me to get naked. Apparently he wanted to observe my wiener so that he can at least, um, I don't know, deduce the reason why I bed wet. And yeah, it, uh, it was weird. But you know, um, you're young and you trust someone and you're in an environment where like you're not really that good at making friends and you're in an environment where all your friends are sort of like powerful, you know. So it was a big deal. So I just like go with the flu. So I think he touched me and I didn't think there was anything wrong with that. 
until a few days later when um, I, I wet the bed. I think I fell asleep on his bed, now the top bunk. So he took my bed and I wet the bed. And since his bed didn't have that kamakin torch thingy, um, the susu like went down and he woke up very angry and he took these uh, elastic rubber bands, you know, them the ones for tying money. Mm. And um, he, he sort of like tied my wiener shut. Yeah. And I, I had to stay like that till the morning and it was very painful. So in the morning, I thought I should go to the housemaster who was a teacher. And uh, when I, I went to him, uh, which at the time was a really hard thing to do because like you're powerless. And how do you expose the fact that someone with power has done something like that to you? So when I go to the teacher and we, we talk, the teacher labels me as a gay person. And they sort of like out me in front of the whole school on assembly. And things just got crazy after that. Um, I got chucked from that house. I got put in just like a, a regular dorm. And then to make matters worse, a few weeks after that, my dad died. So I go home. Um, I stayed at home for about three weeks from my dad's burial and all that. So when I come back to school, <laughs> my beddings are missing. My mattress, my blanket, everything. So I don't have any place to sleep. Before I can call home and have like my folks like food and stuff for me to, to use, I'm forced to, you know, share a bed with someone else. And um, the person I share a bed with sort of like just... <laughs> well, so the person I share a bed with, uh, that very first night, I fall asleep and I wake up to this uncomfortable feeling, if I can just say that. And I'm pinned down and it's sort of like kneeling over my ass and so he ejaculated on me and um that's the first time i ran away from school so the following morning i couldn't go to the teachers because obviously now i i don't feel safe i don't know whether they'll believe me everyone in school thinks i'm homosexual so i just left in the morning very early at like five and home was like really close by so i just walked i just left because we used to go, it was a Catholic school, and we used to go to church every morning uh, for morning mass from 5 to 6. Then we come back for breakfast. So when we were leaving school, going to church, I just took a detour and I went home. And I remember and I didn't, I didn't tell anyone at home what happened. Everyone just sort of like thought I was home for midterms. And I stayed at home for a whole week and I went back to school. And when I went back to school, I got my first suspension. So I had a troublesome first year and second year in school and at the end of the second year my results were so bad so bad that i was asked to redo the class i remember begging my my guardian telling them i'd like to be transferred and i tried to tell them the story of what had happened and they told me you're just making all this shit up why because you failed your exams and you're trying to find excuses for that and well they asked me to redo the class and i did and then it happened again. Well, when I was um, in Form 2 for the second time, I was in this house where we called it the house of the shunned, Zakayubi, because um, literally everyone in that dorm sort of like had issues living with people. Most of them wet the bed. Some of them had been caught stealing in other houses and all that. So basically it was the house for rejects. And I was there and I remember this kid uh, he was in Form 4 at the time. And we used to play basketball together and we got really close, you know. So I figured now I have a friend. We used to do almost everything together. And then one night, 
on Saturdays, we used to have this entertainment in school. And so this one Sato, I think they had weed and they were like smoking in the dormitory and, and I wanted to be part of it. I got high. It was my first time. So I got a little bit too high and I forgot myself. And um, I woke up with a penis inside my butt. Anyway, uh, at that point, I kind of like just told myself it was never going to stop. So I started, I started trying to find ways to get out of that place. So I'd do anything to get in trouble. I'd fight teachers, I'd fight my peers, I'd skive classes. I'd do anything just intentionally until I got expelled. And I remember the day I got expelled was one of the happiest days of my life. <laughs> but anyway, it's uh, no one really ever believed me. Because I remember after I got expelled, I talked to my brother, my big brother about it. And he beat me up. And he he told me that I joined a cult. And he, he took me to a church. <laughs> so he, he had this pastor friend, I think he, he thought the guy would pray for me or something. So how would you say these incidences affected your mental health, both in high school and after that? I'm not really sure how to answer that question, but... <laughs> I started hating myself more because I kind of convinced myself there was something wrong with me, you know. After it all happened, nobody I told believed me. And there's a statement that actually echoes in my head to date. I remember something my big brother told me. He was like, if everywhere you go, you have problems with people, then you look at that equation and you're the common denominator. And so I kind of like started feeling like I was a problem, like I was... The reason why everything happened, happened. And that kind of sent me into a dark, dark place, you know. I don't know whether I can say I was depressed. Because I was, I was really not myself. And it affected every aspect of my life. My grades. I used to be into everything. You know, basketball, football, rugby, hockey, music, art. I just kind of went dull. And I started listening to this dark music. You know, gothic rock. <laughs> think the appropriate answer is it messed me up it's just what i can say it just really messed me up yeah and when all of this began from then till now are you able to pinpoint what your lowest point in all of this was if you had any <laughs> i've had a couple actually i've had a couple um i've tried killing myself three times since it happened the first time i remember was just when I'd learned how to drive. I, I took someone's car and I just started driving. And somewhere along the road, I just thought, what would happen if I just rammed into a tree? And I did it. Nothing happened. The second time was just after I'd done my KCSE. I remember it was two or three days before the results came out. And I figured if, if I could just pass my exams, maybe all those people who didn't believe me would you know, sort of like change. I don't know whether that makes sense. It was sort of like accept me because I was feeling a lot of rejection. I think I felt like you know, and then this wave of anxiety just hit me. And I remember I, t I took Dawa, the one for killing rats, and I ingested it and nothing happened by some miracle, if I can say. Nothing happened. I didn't get sick. I didn't. Nothing happened. But by far, my lowest moment came when I was in campus. 
I was dating someone and I remember, well, she got pregnant and she told me she was pregnant. And at that moment, I remember feeling like I can't go on, like I'm trapped. Everything is just wrong. And I've never been more convinced that I'm what's wrong with the world than that particular moment. And I tried killing myself again. I got wasted, like super wasted. And I went to the rooftop of a 10 story building and I was going to throw myself off. Would have succeeded too if she didn't call the cops. And I think that's the moment when I realized I'm at rock bottom, if I can say that. And so I figured I need to clean the slate and try and start over if there was a possibility. So I did that. I packed my bags, I left, and just started from zero again. And where you're at now, would you say that you're in a better space? And if yes, what has helped you at least get to this better space? And if no, where do you think that you're not? Well, there are good days and there are bad days, so it's, it's not really that easy to just say if things are better. Because I was in a situation where I was going through so much hurt, I was going through so much uncertainty, and I had no one to turn to. Because the people I trusted with my life didn't believe me, so I had to find ways to deal with that myself. And that kind of led me to hate. I started hating people, I started distrusting people, I sort of became this bitter person. So where I'm at now, well, I'm doing a lot of therapy, which is good, I think. So there are more good days than most. But every once in a while, something happens and I feel like shit. Again, if I can just simplify it. And finally, do you have any any safe spaces at the moment? Even if, I'm assuming in the past your safe spaces were... What people. you thought, what you thought yeah. were safe spaces, yeah. you know, well, turned out not to be. Well, they're mostly people, so I um I try not to do that anymore. I do have this one place too, it's a remote kind of high key place. I call the mountain top. It's basically a place I just go to just be, no talking, no thinking. I just be. it's worked so far, so yeah, I think I can count that one. But when I'm not around, or when you know I've travelled and I've gone like far i just drown my feelings in emotions i discovered this thing where sometimes i just go online and i find music that resonates with how i'm feeling so i have a playlist for every mood and it kind of like it helps yeah so that's that oh and i have you would you say music has been part of your healing journey a lot yeah, yeah. at some point i was told it's unhealthy but yeah music's helped a lot I compose sometimes. Most of them never see the light of day. But yeah, I, I write a lot of music. I, I I write a lot of poetry. I listen to a lot of music. Tons of music. I think they arrested people in this country for illegal downloads. Because I troll every website there is. Uh, music has really been a major part of my life. Because, you know, there's a song for every mood. Yeah, and um, sometimes when you listen to a song that resonates to how you're feeling, you kind of feel like the person who wrote the song was going through the same thing. So it's sort of like sharing without actually talking. And you end up feeling better. It gives you the strength to, you know, take another step, if that makes sense. Yeah, it yeah. does. Okay. Thank you for sharing this story with me. I really appreciate it. Sexual assault can happen to anyone and it can happen anywhere. 
even some of the places we assume are safe, such as home or school. It's often very difficult for people to open up about being sexually assaulted for various reasons. Survivors get judged, ridiculed, labeled, some are not believed. In many cases, survivors lack that safe space where they can open up and heal. In many cases, we do not receive them with compassion and empathy. Because of our silence, our judgment, and our dismissal, it's easier for sexual assault to thrive. I hope this story has helped you reflect on how we can make things better. Because we all can in our little ways. That's all for this episode. If you'd like to share your views or have a chat, you can reach out to me at the artistic psychologist, that is all one word, on Instagram and on Facebook. Thanks for listening. Thank you.